I'd like you to turn in your New Testaments now to 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. And let's go to the Lord and ask Him to bless this time of consideration of what thanksgiving means. Lord, would You open our eyes and our understanding and our hearts to a dynamic response to Your grace and Your generosity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11 says... Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, I kind of like the King James, bread for the eater, King James, seed for the sower to the sower and bread to the eater will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. All right, this is our second week of looking at thanksgiving. We normally just brush right on up to Advent, but thanksgiving, the idea of thanksgiving as you move into this national holiday together uh, is to take stock of the generosity of God to you and to express gratitude for all that He's given you. It's a pretty pretty easy concept. It's called Thanksgiving. Um, It's what the original pilgrims did. You know, they made it through the winter. And the reason they set apart three days for them was that the first harvest had come in and and half of them had died there in in, uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Half of them had died through the first winter and now they had food. And now they had what they needed, and they said, God, we, we just want to thank you. And they, they spent that time, and one of the ways that they did it, which we still do today, is they set apart, out of that abundant food, of harvest a feast to God. And to say, Lord, we are partying, partying because of your generosity. We are so grateful. And it was such a joyful thing. Now, here's a clue for you as you move into this week that we call Thanksgiving. Here's a clue. We have been given a lot. Our own Bill Owens, who has taught at Madison Central High School for years and has just been a, had a great witness there and just been a, such a solid believer there. We were talking the other day um, and he, and he told us that uh, one day in class, he said, I want to take a poll and help you understand something here. He said, raise your hand. How many of you consider your family to be wealthy? And a few hands went up in, in the whole thing. This is Madison, Mississippi. A few hands went up. He said, okay, I've got a second question. How many of you have your own vehicle?" And all the hands went up except for about five in the entire class. And Bill said, I have an announcement to make. People with their own vehicle who are 17, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old actually have a lot. Now, of course, 
the reason he was going through this exercise is he was encountering people saying, I don't have what I want, and I wish I had this and that, and And he's just trying to help them understand, you've got more than anybody in the history of the world. We Americans in 2011 are so flush with blessing and, and provision, and we are officially encouraged this week by the government, officially encouraged to, to be thankful for what we have. But the, the question raised in this text today is not simply will we take stock of what God's given us and will we tell Him thank you. Now, the, the question raised is beyond that. And here's the question that is raised. Will our lives, because of what we've been given, result in anybody else being thankful to God? Will our lives and what our response to God literally lead somebody else to say, Lord, I just praise you for this and, and, and this person and what they've done. Now, here's a sentence I'd like to work off of this morning. God supplies abundantly so we can be generous so others can be thankful. Let me say that again. God supplies abundantly, so in order that we can be generous, so others can be thankful to God. First is this idea of of just how abundantly God has supplied us. Verse 11, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, here's a question. Would you rather have seed or bread? That's, that's kind of what verse 11 is talking about. He's giving seed, like wheat seeds, and, he's, and, and bread. Would you rather have seed or bread? What, what do you think? Talk to me. Seed. Seed, very good. Whoever said that, very good. There is a time when you'd rather have bread than seed. You know what that is? When you're starving to death, you need bread. And what we're going to find out in the larger story of 2 Corinthians 9 is that God is giving these believers in Corinth incredible blessings and and He's giving them seed and there's, there's more than enough and they are able then to give bread to the church in Jerusalem who's literally starving to death. And the church in Jerusalem, because of their giving bread to them, is going to say, thank God for these people in Corinth. God says that we're going to have both seed and bread. In fact, when when Paul says, quotes this, you know, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater, he's actually quoting an Old Testament text. And that text is Isaiah 55.10. And Isaiah 55.10 is one of those passages that says, My ways are higher than yours, and and the Word of God is powerful, and and when the Word of God is sent out, it accomplishes what it is sent out for, and you will go out with joy. And and, and some of us have read that passage. And right in the middle of this passage, it says suddenly, it's all about the reliability of God's Word. It says this interesting thing, that God sends the snow and the rain for seed for the sower and bread for the eater, that there may be food. And what, 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 what Isaiah is trying to say in Isaiah 55 is, let me tell you how reliable the Word of God is. It's as reliable as the provision of God. 
And the provision of God is just as reliable as the, uh, with the fact that God always fulfills His Word. And you can count on His Word. Jesus Himself taught us to pray this. Say it with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know why Jesus taught us, give us this day our daily bread? Because God wants to provide for us every single day. That He's reliable. You know, He's not on some installment plan. It's daily. Everything we need, and, and as, real, as much as we can trust the Word of God, we know that He will supply, and as much as we have seen Him supply, we can trust the Word of God. And if we are willing to slow down in our lives, and, and, and may I just suggest to you, you're going way too fast in your life. If we would just slow down enough to look at what God has provided for us, what we will see is His faithfulness. We will see His provision that He supplies abundantly. And most of you will celebrate Thanksgiving this week with a sumptuous feast. There's going to be more food than is godly to eat in front of you. And, and, and the sumptuous nature of it symbolizes what? Abundance. Bounty. Over superabounding faithfulness. This uh, beautiful arrangement in front of me is called a cornucopia, right? You know, it's a kind of a horn, I guess. Is it a horn? Um, and what comes out of the horn in a cornucopia? Well, ours has flowers in it. But you know, I, right here, I see a... Y'all may not see this. Right there is a Mississippi vardaman sweet potato. And uh, there's a big squash and there's squash. No, what comes out of a cornucopia is just food and, and bounty and the provision of God. And that's a symbol of just lavish provision of God. God supplies abundantly. And let me just say to you, enjoy the feast this week and those that you share it with and relish the realization that God provides for your needs and He loves you and He is faithful to you. So first, God supplies abundantly, right? Secondly is, in order that we can be generous. Now, you would think that I would say in this sermon, in order that we can be thankful. I'm saying just recognition of that abundance and being thank, thankful to God is the beginning. That the real dynamic of this in this passage isn't just saying thank you. The real dynamic is an actual response toward other people out of what God has done for us. God supplies abundantly so we can be generous. Go back to verses 10 and 11, please, with me. And read as I read along as I read the word of God. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for the eater will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, hear these words. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And we have more than we probably realize. But let me tell you something. If you have Christ, if you have understood why God sent His Son into the world, we didn't ask Him to do it. We didn't deserve for Him to do it. If you understand that He literally took our place and that through Jesus, uh, the punishment that we deserve before a holy God is taken by Jesus and we get nothing. We bring our sin to Him and we get nothing but relationship and love 
from Him because of this great sacrifice. If you have Christ in your life, then I'm going to tell you something. You are rich. You are rich in every way, the Scripture says. A lot of the promises of riches, particularly in the New Testament, really don't come down to your checkbook. Although God is very concerned about the material aspects of our lives, wants us to be good managers, have faith, etc., etc., be wise and and all that good stuff. But uh, really it comes down to just as a whole person, materially, emotionally, spiritually, that, that we're going to be rich in every way. That's verse 10, that He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness that uh, Paul is saying that growth, there will be spiritual riches uh, that result in terms of you recognizing God's generosity with you. The idea is that God's grace and His generous giving to us calls us to be givers too. That generosity begets generosity. And you think it would be, no, generosity begets thanksgiving, yeah, and generosity. The Corinthian believers are a great example of this. You've got to kind of go back two chapters. Let me just tell you the larger story of what is going on here. The, the Corinthian believers uh, are made aware that there is another very dear group of brothers and sisters who are starving to death, and they just happen to be in Jerusalem. And what's significant about that is that's the church, that's the place where the whole New Testament movement of of churches, uh, the gospel in the New Testament comes from. So the mother church, we might say, the mother church is starving and there's persecution and there's all these things. And do you know what these Corinthians did? They are not particularly wealthy. We learn lots of things about the Corinthians and a lot of them aren't good. You know, we don't have time to talk about a lot of the not good things, but this, they decided because of God's generosity, this newfound faith that came out from Jerusalem, they passed the hat, if you will, and they put together an enormous bag of money that was delivered to the church in Jerusalem. This is the second bag of money that they are putting together. And they didn't say, look, we, you know, we gave you people already. They said, y'all, are, y'all still, are you still hurting? We are so blessed. In the gospel, we are so blessed to know Christ and we are being made rich in every way. Yes, we're not all rich, but we feel that we, we must give. We want to give, not under compulsion, but we want to give. And if you will uh, go back two verses to verse 7 of our text, you'll see this. Each man should give to this bag of money that's a gift. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, Not under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make, verse 8, all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, you will have all that you need in order that you will abound in every good work. That you'll always say, I always have more than I need. I'm always ready. To give, and I want to give. This is what we do as people who love the gospel of Jesus. Paul's saying, here's where the meaning is. This is where it gets fun. 
No, there's what I call game board Christians. It's like a game, you know, like a game board, like Monopoly or something like that. And we say, God, you know, if I could just get to five spaces down the game board, then I'd be happy. And, and you know what? God sends us six spaces down the game board. And instead of going, Lord, you're so good, and I want to help other people get down the game board, we say, oh, but Lord, I've now seen something else, and I just need to go three more spaces down the game board, and then I'll be happy. You're never happy if you're a game board Christian. The game's never over. What you need to say is, God, I can't even believe that I'm in your game. And I want to be a part of other people's lives because you have been a part of my life. Generosity does beget thanks, but it begets generosity as well. You know, they weren't terribly wealthy, the, the Corinthians. You know what this was about? This is amazing. This wasn't just about the Jerusalem Christians. What we read in the text is just about their relationship with Christ. What we learn about the Corinthians isn't that they were especially uh, sympathetic toward the, the people in Jerusalem, but this is what they did. This was a normal part of their Christian lives to, to bless their brothers and sisters out of the abundance that Christ had brought them. I love the story of a, a young man. He was 12 years old. He was dirty from a very poor family. His siblings were also in really in a tough luck, kind of hard situation. And he's in a big city. And, and this kid was, you know, trying to, to help his family out and trying to get odd jobs and, and do everything he could to help put money on the table. And and one day, as he was on the, on the street there on the sidewalk, there was a man in the most beautiful, large, deluxe, brand new automobile. Most beautiful automobile this boy had ever seen in his life. And that automobile pulled in right there on the curb in front of this 12-year-old. Now, the man driving the automobile pulls up, and the reason he has stopped before he gets way deep into the city is that there's a newspaper stand just right off the sidewalk, and before he gets too deep in the city, he wants to stop, run out to the newspaper stand while he has a parking place, come back and go, and he notices this dirty, kind of roguish-looking 12-year-old and he thinks to himself, I better get to the newsstand quickly. If I spend time at the newsstand, I'm liable to not have hubcaps on my new car by the time I get back. And so he hustles over to the newsstand. He buys his newspaper. He sticks his newspaper under his arm. And he is coming very quickly back. He's going to, you know how you just you may not want to talk to somebody. He's going to open the door, get in the car. One fluid motion of open the door, get in the car, shut the door. He's going to put it in drive and go. But before he got to the door, the boy stepped in his way. He said, Mister, can I ask you a question? Oh, great. Mister, can I ask you a question? He said, Yes. Mister, how much would a new car like that cost? And he was taken off guard by this question, but, but the interesting thing is he did not have the answer to this question. Because this particular man came from an extremely wealthy family in the city. And he responded, you know, I'll be honest with you, I really don't know. My brother just gave me this car as a Christmas present. 
And he thought the boy was going to say, wow, I wish my brother would give me a car like that. He just knew that was what was coming. And the little boy just stopped and he looked at him and he welled up with tears in his eyes and a kind of wonder in his eyes. And he said, gee, mister, I wish I could be a brother like that. This is what Paul's saying. You can be a brother like that. You can be a sister like that. Out of the generosity, out of the the superabundance of God, we can can go beyond simply saying, God, I got it, thank you, woo! To, I want to be a brother like that. I want to be a sister like that. God supplies abundantly. So we can be generous. Thirdly and lastly, and I just love this. It's like the completing of the circuit almost. So others can be thankful to God too. It is an example of the old saying, you can't outgive God. Now again, some people put that simply in terms of dollar signs. You know, I give God a certain amount and that's like better than putting it in, a, in gold. You know, it's going to come back to me. And, and sure enough, the Lord does bless His people in lots of ways. But this is not just about material blessings. I, I want to read to you from William Hendrickson, one of the scholars that I particularly like. He said, God will give abundantly and God's people can fully depend on Him to keep His word Now he's relating to Isaiah 55.10. Remember, as reliable as the word is, so is the provision of God. And as provision, so is the word. So let me start over so you'll understand what he's getting at. God will give abundantly and God's people can fully depend on him to keep his word. And in turn, hear this, they become fountains of generosity. Reflecting God's benevolence in their lives. You see, and, and, and when we, we see this as God's generosity out of the treasure, if you were here last week, the treasure of knowing Him, and just His manifold and abundant cornucopia-like provision, super provision for His children, when we're able to be a brother like that and be generous, the person who receives the generosity is able to say, God, thank you so much. And you were a part of them understanding the reality of the gospel and a part of them praising the Lord. Look at verse 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Don't you love it? It's like this is what we do. Every occasion. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm generous. You'll be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, meaning the gift going, being carried to Jerusalem, the the bag of money, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, I want you to think for a minute. We're kind of here in Corinth in our minds and these people wanting to be generous and wanting to put together a second offering a second bag of money for these folks. I want us to go to Jerusalem in our mind for a minute. A big bag of money arrives from people that 
have never met any of those folks in Jerusalem. Just because we are brothers and sisters and they take that money and they go to the super Walmart in Jerusalem or the main marketplace or wherever it was, and you know what? Immediately we're going to buy food for those children. Immediately we're going to buy food and clothing for those widows, both the Jewish and the Greek variety, from the the least to the greatest and everybody in between who's suffering. We will immediately, because of the gift of people in Macedonia, in Corinth, we will immediately alleviate that suffering. Do you see any kind of reaction in Jerusalem when that bag of money arrives? I do. Hey, I'm thinking about like a scene in the, uh, the Prince of Egypt and like all the dancing and woo, you know, I'm thinking that Jewish kind of dancing. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm thinking joy's breaking out in Jerusalem. God, thank you. Thank you. But that's not the last scene we need to think about in our minds. Let's go back to Corinth. When they hear from a messenger, you should have been there. Oh, I wish you could have been there when Paul brought that huge bag of money in. You should have seen their faces. You should have seen the joy. And do you know what they did? They were weeping and they were dancing and they said, God, thank you. You caused that out of your generosity. Can you see what's happening on the face of people in Corinth? Do you see why this is where the meaning and the joy is? It's beautiful. I'd like to skip two verses ahead to verse 13. Paul says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, and he doesn't mean proved yourself that you're a Christian and now God loves you. He just means prove that you live out of the love of Christ. That you're a real Christian. Your grace-captured person with generosity begets generosity. That's what he means. Uh, He says in verse 13, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. You believe and you give, you see. For your obedience that accompanies your profession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. Listen to this. Verse 14, and their prayers for you, for you, and in their prayers for you, their hearts, the Jerusalem believers, their hearts go out to you. And this is the surprising moment right here in 2 Corinthians 9. Okay, if you have a Bible, you can read ahead. You can see why this is a surprising moment. Let me just tell you. All right, let's review. God is gracious to give us the treasure of a relationship with Him. He is super super abundant in providing all of our needs. And out of this grace and out of this abundance, we therefore want to thank Him, right? Acknowledge that it came from Him. And we want to be generous. And when we are generous, other people say, God, thank you. And then they turn around, they, they praise God, and they turn around and they say, we're so thankful that you saw our need and you, wonderful person, met our need. No. This is huge. Y'all ready for this? This is it. 
Y'all talk about this one over lunch today. And in there, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 9, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you not because of what you've done for them. Let me read the text. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Do you understand what just happened? They're not thanking God for the present. They're thanking God for the grace of God in the lives of the Corinthians. Therefore, it is assumed that people who have grace will give, you see. We would say, and and rightly so, thank you for the present. They're saying, oh Lord, thank you for the grace you've given those people. And it's assumed that they're going to give. Thanks be to God, they say, not for the bag of money, but for His indescribable gift. Because it's rooted in His generosity to other people that, uh, that became generosity, that became thanksgiving. And they give praise for the gospel of Jesus. May God bless you this week as you think through what it means to have the, the treasure of God's grace. As you think about the superabounding cornucopia-like provision of God in so many ways in your life. But one of the ways you can know whether you get grace or not is whether you are a giver. That's just it. That's, one of, that's what the passage is telling me. This is a part of our spiritual life. I am a grace-captured believer. I give. I give when I see needs. I give every month. I give to special things. I give to ministries. I give to my church. I give because I am captured by the gospel. This is my joy to give. And I love bringing thanksgiving out of other people. And thanksgiving to God is generated and thanksgiving is celebrated over and over all year long because grace became generosity and generosity generated thanksgiving. Let me read the text again as we close. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the eater will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen? Happy Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us get it. It's so exciting. It's so exciting just to get beyond a celebration of what we have, although sometimes we don't even do that. But to actually consider as families this Thanksgiving where we might give. Lord, would you cause our hearts to be so captured by your grace that we wouldn't be game board Christians as much as we become generous followers of Jesus. And would you, even through this redeemed community, cause thanksgiving to spring up all over the place in this town, across this nation, and even through missions throughout the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.